The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. much mike how you been i've been good i've been good how are you mark i've been pretty great under the full moon we had uh the tent set up in the backyard so my girlfriend and i were able to sleep under the uh, the past two nights of the full moon it was interesting very uh <laughs> interesting circumstances came up on the full moon but i'm curious to know how your week's been well, hold on. Before we get to me, let me hear. What are these curious? What are these curious circumstances? All right. So you know, full moon and new moon, right? When when you're when you're setting intentions and, and getting to know the moon cycle, what you learn is that the new moon is bringing things in, and the full moon is letting things go. Would Would you say that's kind of what you've heard or what you've you've learned or experienced? Uh. Yeah, I, I would say they're the markers of the change, the markers of the change of the direction. Like the new moon is the bottom, and I see the full moon on the top. And so once you, you hit the full moon, well, then, you know, the, the amount of the moon, which is visible, begins to reduce. So you can see the energy is starting to reduce. You're letting go. And then from the new moon, you're working up. It's going from total darkness to like building until like the the full disc is visible. So in the most literal sense, we see that there's an expansion. So that's why, you know, we would time our intention or anything new or anything which is beginning to grow uh, with that with that point in the cycle. But yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. So in a sort of uh, in a sort of odd way, I mean, yeah, all of that to me is kind of intuitive i've just i 
I've always recognized, okay, this is a special time, but it wasn't until recently that, you know, the full moon and the new moon started to become events in my month, right? Where, you know, things would be done on the night that you wouldn't have just done on any ordinary night. So my girlfriend and right. I... Well, go- you, you, you're bringing consciousness, you know, awareness. You know, that's what consciousness is. You're aware of something which is always there. Like, I mean, you said intuitively, you kind of always like kind of sense like the meaning or, or something like that. But, you know, there's never been a moment that you've been in this body that, you know, the moon hasn't been going through cycles. Like you've been bathed with that in the subconscious your entire life. You know, that's just like part of being... Uh, living life on earth and so uh, what you just described in terms of like becoming aware of the cycle you're just becoming aware of what's always around you and what's what what I find so 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 interesting and so powerful about recognizing these these things that are happening all around us all the time which we probably ignore is um, when you become when you become aware of it you can begin to coordinate your own internal uh, cycles with that which we're experiencing life within. So, so definitely, I mean, I think we all got to go through that process unless we have been raised in an environment where that is what was taught. Right. So in this sort of, uh, you know, haphazard slapdash kind of way, I've been, you know, following these cycles and, and my girlfriend, she's definitely more, prepared you know she takes time to do her meditations or rituals whereas i'm kind of like oh full moon's out let me run and grab my crystals let me run and do this real quick you know so i'm always like i feel like i'm a little scatterbrained when it comes to these types of uh occasions and this particular evening was no different and i was getting kind of a lot of uh, computer work done that I'd been procrastinating. I thought, okay, this might be a productive energy sort of practice. You know, this is something I want to keep doing, accomplishing my goals and the full moon. I want to feel that stress, you know, that stress of like getting that, you know, work stress and transmuting it into productivity and efficiency, right? So long story, uh, I'm going to try to wrap it down a little bit. A longtime friend of mine, okay, really longtime friend. He's somebody who I would say, you know, isn't really up to speed on a lot of the things that we talk about, but he has some sort of awareness of, of like the spiritual and not necessarily from like a traditional perspective. But he's not the type of guy that would go and listen to a podcast or even, like, watch a YouTube video. You know, he's very much just, like, blue pill, if we want to use that term, but aware. We use that pill or that term. Excuse <laughs> me. How long do you know what you said, like, a long-time friend? Like, so, like, when in your life were you, did you, how long have you known him? Since uh, summer camp when I was in middle school was when we met. Okay. okay. So and were you guys close? So, yeah, and, and he's, you know, a neighborhood friend, too, because he, he lives close by. So we're we're very close friends, but in a sort of, um, contested kind of way, like we've always had our clashes, right? Even though we've stayed close in proximity and in friendship, we've had a lot of clashes over our maybe 10 or 12 years of knowing each other now. And 
you know, one so thing. Look, let, let me just interrupt for a second because it's like this other stuff out which comes to my head. So, like, like in my mind, I would classify that type of relationship or dynamic which you which which you have with him is more of like in the literal sense, like a, a sibling brother, because that's one of the things which is so interesting about those who we have as siblings is like, you know, you get to pick your friends, but you don't pick your family. And so a lot of times we, you know, there can be contention with like, you know, a brother or sister or so forth, but they will be with you to some degree or another throughout your life. Mm. But when you have a friend, uh, someone who who is in your life and you recognize like there's that kind of, like there's a contention which can often happen between siblings, sibling rivalry and so forth. It's like, that's a different type of friendship because you have that, um, you have the capability of choosing your friends. Yet, uh, even though with this contention, you guys are still like drawn to each other. You're still connected. And I would say like, that's an indication of a really deep connection. Like whether you want to say that's like, you know, past lies or, or, or what have you, I don't know. But like, that is, that is, that is rare. Or that is you know, less common, like when you recognize that. And so I just say that to like kind of put into context in terms of like, you know, maybe the depth of what this friend is for both you, you to him and him to you. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who is uh, the oldest of, uh, you know, two kids, my sister and I, I, I've never had a familial brother, you know, cousins. I've had a lot of cousins, but they live very far away. So, yeah, in a lot of ways. He's like a younger brother to me, and I, and I. All right, all right. I took you off off track. So no, it's guys. okay. So so he comes by uh, on the full moon, and it was sort of like planned in a sense because I I want to give the these uh, silo vitamins that I got from a friend uh, Megan Cush. Uh, it's like a micro dosing sort of uh, mm-hmm. version of mushrooms to to him because I'm like you know this guy. He's been calling me a lot lately. He's been, you know, going around in circles and it just feels like maybe this is the right thing to offer him. So he's super excited. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. How much, you know, so bring some. Is he an experienced uh, uh, mushroom taker? Yeah, he, he's definitely done, you know, things before, you know, I don't want to go into his history, but he's not, he's never done anything that I wouldn't do, I'd imagine. And, and I've never done anything in the chemical department It's strictly natural stuff. Right. Um, And I just, I bring this up because I wonder, you know, with the, the show being, you know, your handbook for the apocalypse and like, you know, what these substances can do to awaken people. I'm like, Maybe that wasn't the right choice, you know, to make that so freely available to someone, uh, especially like a guy who kind of goes around in circles a lot. I'm like, hmm, you know, I, I kind of regretted it in the moment. And then sure enough, he calls me the next morning and says, I took three of them. They didn't work, you know, complain, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know. I tried to do a good thing. I tried to help out my friend, but it seemed like, you know, something about that, whether it was the full moon energy, whether it was, you know, the microdosing capsules themselves. I mean, I don't want to ask you about that, but, you know, what are your thoughts on on that as a component of, like, this new world we're in and, and even, like, people who seem to have, it doesn't have that same effect that it might've had on someone like me or, or yourself or, you know, the, the awakening, like it doesn't hit with everybody. 
Right, right. Well, well, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in what you just described. So, uh, uh, you know, my thought, you know, my per- perspective in in what that story you just told. <clears throat> First off, is um, you know, you didn't go too much into it, but just like you know, your intention and or motivation in terms of of offering him these these vitamins, and so it's it's. Uh, the first thing which which kind of jumped out in my mind was like the second guessing of it, like you know, like oh god, did I do the right, did I do the wrong thing? Did I make a mistake? And 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 you know, just recognizing like that is a behavior. Like sometimes we do like make decisions which we're like, wow, I wish I didn't. Make, I wish I would have chosen differently. But then a lot of times, um, a lot of times, like you know, our our uh, um, our first instinct, our intuitive sense, you know, what we're driven to is like, you know, that's what we want to learn to, to trust more. And when, when we don't trust it, um, or when we second guess it, it is, you know, it's just that it's, it's a second guessing of that level of consciousness. And the reason why you're probably second guessing this, why we all second guess things is we hold in our mind, like an expectation as to the outcome. So like, you know, maybe you were thinking like, oh, maybe this won't like work out the way I thought it would or give him the thing he's looking for or so forth. Mm. Um, but the truth of the matter is that's, that's out of your hands like that, you know, that, that, you know, you're either going to be, you're either going to learn to trust your instincts or you're going to learn not to trust your instincts. And I think that's like kind of like the, the, the bigger thing as it relates to that specific scenario is like this was you seeing yourself like you know this isn't about like what i would have done differently or not so much but more so like observing like what has happened and then how you internally responded and so this doesn't this doesn't have anything to do with like changing the outcome as much as it is becoming more aware more conscious of oh this is how i work and then as just by becoming more aware and more conscious like you know the whatever change happens like that's just part of being human Mm. Um, without well, being said, well, go on. Okay. I, I just wanted to clarify on the point of intention. Cause I think this is really the real reason I brought it up. I had this feeling like, Oh, you know, here I am, this guy who knows all this stuff and my little brother friend, you know, cause that is the dynamic. He's younger than me. And it is almost like, you know, I'm the big brother in the situation He's coming here on this special full moon and you know i i felt like there was some gravity to what we were doing in a sense like you know i'm giving him this substance in a way that he could potentially use to alchemize his life right in a positive way so my instincts were telling me to be sort of ceremonial about it but then at the same time because there wasn't that understanding it felt like i was imposing or or even to take it a step further, being kind of phony, like putting on a, a character, you know, like, Oh, I'm this great, you know, mystic. That's gonna, that's gonna (laughs) give you this, you know, thing. So I felt that theme going on and I'm like, Hmm, is this what I'm letting go of on my own personal level while I'm experiencing this full moon? Cause I it's a, it was a Pisces full moon you know, duality is going on. We're in Virgo season. That's very much about working and, and getting down to, you know, the sort of earthiness of, uh, of the harvest, you know, preparing all the final things that go into that. That's the kind of energy that maybe was 
a theme in my mind, but yeah, there was that feeling of almost phoniness. Like, am I aggrandizing this whole process? And is that even worth it? Because, you know, <laughs> what happened to put a, you know, pin in the balloon and pop it real quick. He, he didn't, I, it doesn't seem like he had that revelation that I was hoping he would have and, and reach that point. Cause you know, maybe I'm underestimating what he's got going on in his life. Maybe that's not what, you know, that that's not the magic pill that he needs. So, so did he come over specifically to receive those vitamins? Like was that, or was it just like kind of spontaneous? You're like, Hey man, I, I think I got something you might like. It was, it was in a way it was not spontaneous cause he's been calling me. And what's funny is, you know, at the beginning of this summer, you know, with my, my girlfriend and I kind of transforming our lives for the better, we made the decision to let certain people go in a way, you know, and he's someone who I felt I've already done that before in the past, like said, okay, this relationship's not benefiting me. I need to just put some space between us boundaries. And, and when I've done that, it's, it's been a huge benefit. I felt like, oh, okay, wow. I have my, I could, you know, really be myself and not, you know, cause that, that tends to happen. You get into ruts with old friends, you know, you pick up your old habits again in a way. And I think, you know, he sees me evolving and, has reached out to me a lot over the past few months and I've had that boundary and I slowly like let him in closer and closer. And I'm wondering like, Oh, was that also the wrong decision? Like letting this person, you know, and it relates to the story that maybe we can get into further. Cause it's like, are there people in our lives that are not going to wake up to this, apocalypse and are going to drain us in that way and key and anchor us in third dimensional reality when we want to, you know, in a really woo woo kind of way, I want to ascend to 5d reality. I don't want to be anchored in third dimensional, the old world, but I, you know, if we keep the friendships with people who aren't going to take that leap with us, is that tethering us to, so that's kind of where I was at. It's like, Hey, here's a ticket to join me. <laughs> And it feels like he, he, he missed the boat, you know? So, so a couple of things. I mean, though, I want to go back for clarification. Like when he arrived, was it last night or two nights ago? Two nights ago. So he arrived. I'm sorry. I didn't clarify. So yeah, he, did he specifically know, like come knowing pre uh, knowing before that he was going to receive those. Yes. Vitamins. Yes. Okay. He, he had okay. been bothering me about it all week because so like, bothering about receiving it. It's like, Hey man, let me come by. I want to get that right, stuff. Like right. that sort of because stuff. He, okay. he kind of okay. sniffed the fact out that I had received this as a gift from a past guest on my show. And, and you know, like I've been just kind of giving him advice here and there, like what to do with his girlfriend, what to do with his job, like things like that, you know, like just, you know, he, he'll call me with like, some some negative negative energy you know some, some mm -hmm. negative vibes and i'll help him turn it around and he sees the bright side of things and feels better and moves on you know and and it's exhausting because you can't do that for somebody more than a couple times before they just have to start doing it for themselves you know otherwise they're gonna 
take advantage of you energetically. Well, I think you, you just, you just nailed it when you're like, you know, you can't do that all the time. They got to take care of it themselves. So it sounds like particularly in terms of like your expectation on what you thought was going to happen is, you know, you don't have that responsibility. That's his responsibility, you know, but that being said, that being said, I mean, this is, this is what I'm hearing from that story. Um, uh, first is, is like the fact that you, even if it felt like, you know, quote unquote phony, you had something inside that recognized it. I want this to be a different experience than like, like a party time. Like, Hey, let's just go get fucked up or anything like that. Like right. it, the fact that you are recognizing it and then you're trying to create an environment you know, the environment, like, you know, when you're handing it to them or what have you is, um, is like, you're, you're letting them know, like, this is, this is my intention. Like my, uh, when I'm giving this to you is like, this is, this is, uh, um, this is not, this is not in the intention of just like having a good time to like go and feel different. It's something greater than that. And a lot of times when we try on costumes, people are trying on costumes all the time. I mean, I think that's a great part of being human. Uh, there's schools of thought that are like, oh, you want to go and and avoid any sort of costume and just be like in the here and now and like no personality. I mean, that's just a choice in terms of a higher path. You know, another higher path is a consciousness in terms of, of, the, of the costumes you wear. And the lower path is identifying with the costume, thinking like, oh, this is who I am. I am this costume, so I always have to be that. But like at a higher path with the costume wearing is like, you're like, okay, I'm stepping into this role right now. I'm not this role, but in this instance, I can be this role. And so like, that's what I'm, I'm kind of hearing you becoming, uh, um, you know, what I just described to you as a concept, when you put that into play, into your actual life, like, okay, I'm going to bring awareness into stepping into costumes, that could still feel foreign. That could still feel foreign. And when you're describing, like, I felt like a phony, I would say that's another way of saying it felt foreign because I'm not used to that. It could also be another way of saying, like, I'm describing growth. Like, you know, the very first time, the very first time like, I don't care what religion you are, if you're a rabbi or a priest or what have you, the first time, like, you are the one who's in front of the pulpit, like, that's going to feel weird. Mm. And then, like, 10 years later, like, that that role becomes like more commonplace for you. Mm. So like, you know, there are all these ways of looking at it, but then, so it's like one, you don't have to take on that responsibility Two is like, you know, if this is a role, which seems to make sense to you, like even greater than outside of um, just this friend, but recognizing, and you're building, you're building this infrastructure in your life. You're building an infrastructure in your life where you're kind of like put in a position like the priest, if you will. And there's nothing like per se wrong with that. Like that's part of the archetypical human experience. Someone who is, who willfully lives like a foot in, in different worlds and they can help people reach that other world. Like that's like, you know, you're always that, that middle person. They've, they've done that. That's a universal thing. And, you know, we happen to live in a time where, where it's becoming more, um, more uh organic which means like you're figuring it out yourself as opposed to going to seminary school so like that's kind of like a path which you know you are on and as you become aware of it you get to go and decide whether you want to continue down that path or how you want to do it but you know you just want to be you want to be uh easy with your yourself and as your life unfolds so the last point i want to make is like what you actually gave him 
um, microdoses, like it's not meant to be uh, um, like a, a breakthrough moment. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I've got like a, a, a range of complexities uh, of thought as it relates to, you know, all of these types of substances and how they're taken, you know. And what I mean by complexities, like I have a, a lot of different thoughts on it, but that's generally said. Um, the microdose experience is different than like, you know, a full on high acute experience. And uh, it can be taken, I would say, in that that um, ceremonial and all the ceremonial does or ritualistic way is it tells your conscious mind, tells your unconscious mind that this is special and this is important. And I'm whatever the event is that you're doing it to. And it, it kind of like deepens uh, the connection between the, the conscious and the unconscious. But, um, you know, the, the microdose is like, like one, it's more of like a preparing of, of the soil, if you will. It's not meant to be uh, this huge sort of breakthrough moment. And I, I don't know how much I agree with there even existing huge breakthrough moments um, that last at least, that last at least. But the microdose, it like kind of prepares for possibly if, if someone like follows through with a certain protocol, you know, don't take my, my, my advice in terms of what protocol should be. But if one follows through with that, what they're doing is they're working at, um, at the at a foundational level of saying, I want to begin to see reality. I want to begin to perceive reality and change, like on a fundamental level, my consciousness. Right. And I think that's a that's um, probably a healthier way of going through, like you know, and an easier way of going through any sort of of consciousness change. Um, what I'm hearing you describe is very much. It sounds like kind of like a. Um, uh, a brotherly type, a, a big brotherly type of role. Um, we're all in uncharted territory right now. And so we're all kind of like figuring out as it goes. And so that also means we're all doing the best that we can. So uh, regardless of what your friend said, I think he also had the wrong expectation. If he was trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> if he's like, I didn't feel anything. Well, you know, it's not, that's not really what it's about. Um, but if, if that is like, you can feel things in a microdose level, but it's subtle. And wow. so that also requires, uh, an amount of, of, um, ability to go inside and notice subtle changes in like feelings, emotions, and thoughts. Well, I should clarify his intention wasn't to microdose. It was to use what was intended to be microdosed in a macrodose fashion. So maybe that was also inherently the problem, you know, maybe, maybe that, that is the case. And maybe this is, um, I mean, this is what I've experienced in, in my, my own personal life. Um, uh, not so much like, well, actually no. So I don't do, I don't do, uh, like mushrooms or, or, or entheogens or psychedelics on a regular basis. That's not part of my, my life or my practice, but you know, I've certainly, um, have experiences and, um, every time an opportunity has kind of like presented itself, you know, it's been, um, it's been, it's been special, I guess, like special meaning like different from like when that opportunity does not mm -hmm. present itself. 
And I subscribe, like I fully embrace this idea of like, if you really see these as like plant medicines and so forth is, uh, you know, it'll call you when the time is right. I have seen that in my life time and time again for the, the few experiences which I've had. And so if that, if that's a logic, which at least makes sense to me, I would say like, maybe now is not the time for your friend, despite the fact that he wants it, like it's going to show itself when it shows itself. And so maybe this is, and this is what showed itself right now. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I don't think he's ever going to listen to this. Maybe he will now that we talked about him so much, but you know, for someone in my position where it's like, is a, is a friendship like this holding me back, you know? And, and like, as we proceed forward into this, uh, very strange time where things are rapidly changing, it seems, are these you know, blue pilled friends going to hold us back. I mean, that's, that's something I've been wondering. Cause you know, hence the title of my show, my family thinks I'm crazy. It could equally be called my friends think I'm crazy in a lot of cases. Cause the people I grew up with don't really understand a lot of the things that I like to read, talk and think about, you know? Right. I mean, I suppose only time will tell, right? <laughs> I mean, that's it. And that's a choice. I think that's a choice. You know, again, like like being conscious is like I'm a, I'm aware of this situation, and you know, you might not necessarily it might not be as easy as saying like uh, I choose to go this way and that way. Maybe sometimes you do. I'm choosing right now to cut someone out of my life, but um, you know, maybe there's certain people who you're not quite ready to make that call upon. But be, being aware of that, at least it brings like a deeper level. Um, a deeper level uh, into your, you know, your unfolding. Uh, and then I'll introduce two different ideas or like, you know, I'll contrast two different ideas. Like you said, um, one, which is, which is, uh, are people who see things in a very, very different way or have a very, very different reality or inner world than what you have. Like, you know, are they tethering you to something which, which, which you are, growing away from you know that's 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 a, a concept that's a reality that's a path that's an approach and then you also go like i can't think of what it's called but i've always you know this idea always sticks in my mind as at least just a contrast point i think it's buddhism like but like within one of the 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 the, the ideas within buddhism is you know uh, not leaving earthly your earthly brothers and sisters until every last person has enlightenment, and so that like kind of introduces this idea of like yeah, well I'm here to stick around for that person, but I also have the wherewithal that um, that their world doesn't affect mine, right. um, and so again I don't think there's there's a right or wrong approach. I think what, uh, or, or a choice, but what I would say is, is probably more, you know, right would be at least being aware of what you chose to do. Yeah. Yeah. And this is completely, it's funny what you, you said to bring that up. I forget exactly how you, uh, describe that, but, the Taoist David Way said the exact same thing to me when I asked him, you know, if his family thinks he's crazy. He's like, I don't really care. <laughs> he's like, I do my own thing. And, and, you know, as I've done this for 30 years, you know, becoming a Taoist monk, he's like, they've, 
they've been inspired to be as healthy as me, but you know, I never pushed them to do that. You know, they just saw how it worked for me and followed on their own. And I think they, yeah, that's a great point to make that we need to focus yeah. on our and, own and, connection. And you also have to realize, like, I mean, just the natural sort of um, progression of being human and, you know, having like relationships and dynamics and, uh, it is, uh, this is probably true for most people is, is as they begin to grow and change from whatever, whomever they were, like, let's say when they were younger, as they mature, um, it gets easy to do that as you're developing that, 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 uh, new compass point. I mean, that's what it is. You're like changing where your compass is, is pointing towards as we grow and, and mature. And it's easier to do that when you are in an environment which supports where you're going. And so it's like, okay, I'm building this muscle and like, you know, I'm around like-minded people or I'm in like a really stress-free environment. And so it's easy to like step into that role. And then when we go back to, you know, these foundational dynamics, you know, whether that be with between family members or like childhood or all of these different, you know, triggers, like then like, you know, the, the, you, you, the, the rubber meets the road. You're like, fuck, you know, I was doing so good when I'm like in my, in my, in my special space. But like, when I go and I talk to my, my, my family, like, you know, I find myself going back to like who I once was. Um, there ain't nothing wrong with that. that. Like when you recognize that, you recognize that. And just the friend he was just describing, he's been on his Taoist path for 30 years. And he's like, you know, I'm just me being me. And like, I don't care about the other people. Probably when he was like at year one, you know, it wasn't as easy to say that as it was in year 30. Like these are, these are kind of muscles that we are developing. And so when we recognize that, you know, you, you can be a little bit easier on yourself. That's why like, you know, you observe, you're like, okay, I can see that. I can recognize things, but you don't necessarily beat yourself up because, you know, you're doing the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder now you know, as it pertains to rewilding our consciousness, because I'm noticing as I change my life and move into this sphere where I'm kind of creating my own schedule, creating what I do to get paid, and um, that's exciting, it's fun, it, it's in, infective, you know, or, you know, infectious, people feel the joy there, but, you know, when we rewild our consciousness, is that, solo is that something you can do with uh a partner or with a family member like what's the take me through the steps there because this is i mean i'm sure it's not new to me but i have all a right, feeling that right, there's going right, to be right. some new I'm things i'm ex i'm excited that you're, you're using the phrase rewilding consciousness because we, uh you know we uh, i've mentioned that before um but i don't want to go there quite yet because I'm still, I want to hear how the remainder of like uh, you, you and your lady uh, sleeping under the moon, like anything else, like outside of like the experience with your friend, like did anything else like happen during that that time? Did you notice anything? Anything go on? What event? I'm trying to trying to go through the roll the the roll of memories right now to to really think about it no i mean other than feeling blinded when we were sleeping inside and then coming outside in the morning and just being hit with this light 
So it was very, it was necessary for my health to, to go outside. My eyes were, were so dilated. I didn't understand. I didn't understand if it was the amount of screen time I had or, or if it was just sleeping indoors as opposed to outdoors. But yeah, there's something about sleeping outside in a tent that puts you in touch with the rhythm of the earth. I mean, it's really like, like last week when we did our first episode, I woke up like 15 minutes before we had done that because I had slept inside that day. And for a month or so, I'd been waking up with the sun, you know, because when you're sleeping outside, the sun comes out and heats you up real fast and you wake up, you know. So now it's just it's it's really, you know, my whole life I've spent, you know, sleeping inside and to have this opportunity to sleep in my uh, my grandmother's backyard, you know, as as crazy as that sounds, it's been really, uh, really great in a lot of ways to get in touch with the cycles of the earth and, and what's going on. And now we're working on, you know, getting into that energy in order to manifest that next place to live, you know, cause we wouldn't want to be sleeping in the tent past October. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and you, you know, you're just indicating like how quickly, <clears throat> how quickly it is that, um, we we realign or we rewild ourselves outside of you know false reality and false reality is just part of life but there's nothing wrong with false reality if you're human you're going to live in false realities but like becoming aware of that so like you know living in a cube box room you know that's a false reality i live in a cube box room uh that's where i sleep the most times but you're saying like how quickly you're noticing like these kind of changes and like both like in kind of like a a consciousness psychological way, but then also in like a very practical way. It's like, oh, I'm waking up because the sun's up. And like, you know, that's, you know, that's just, it's, it's that simple. Um, and so it's, uh, that, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. But I want to, can I bring up my experience with the full moon this, this past couple of days? Please. I'm sure it's far more interesting than mine. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So, um, uh, where to begin with this? So I, by no means am I a like an expert of the skies, like an astronomer who can like point out all of the all of the different constellations and and all of that sort of stuff. Like I mean, I've got like a general knowledge, like most people do. Like I can point out the Big Dipper and I know like Orion's Belt, but for the most part, like you know that that isn't something which I would say like I'm particularly adept. That's not like a like a deep part of my knowledge. Um, and, and I just mean that like generally, like over my, my adult life and, you know, over the past, probably like four or five years, I've, I've earned my keep more through astrological services than, than anything else. You know, I've kind of like become, become an astrologer, a professional astrologer. I just say that because, you know, I get paid for that. Mm. Um, and so understanding the heavens became like part of my my reality on a much much deeper level over these past couple of years because um you know before i've always like kind of like studied my own chart and stuff like that but but it changes when you start doing it you know spending more time on other people's charts than your own so the point i'm trying to make is over the last five years um over the last five years i've really gotten into the heavens 
And uh, one of the things I noticed is like, you know, some people who are like into astrology, they, they take it just purely as an abstract. Like, oh, my, you know, my, my natal moon is in, in Pisces and that means this and blah, 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 blah. And they, they, they stick with ideas per se. And just my nature is I'm very, very, uh, uh, in certain ways, I can be very, very concrete. You know, I like, I like physical things, material things. I like, you know, that realm. Like I like to measure things. And so um, as I've learned more and more of astrology and have really ingrained my, my consciousness deeper and deeper with that, it was all in like this abstract level, like, you know, this means this, and, you know, and, and looking at charts, which, which, you know, you could print out. But I, at the same time as this is happening, because I do have this, this kind of concrete sort of way about me, um, I want to understand what it means, like, you know, what, what, what is this, this natal chart a symbol of? Like, what are these planets? Like, where are they in the sky? Like, can I see them? all this sort of stuff. This is the reason why I built the starboard is because I wanted, I wanted like the, the, the idea at first, just like the idea of, of astrology to become like more tangible. Like I didn't quite get a lot of these concepts. And so through the use of the starboard, it's become like, okay, well, what are the like, uh, mechanisms or what are the, what is actually happening in the sky, at least in terms of what we can see. So all that being said, like really over the past couple of years, I've become more and more interested in being able to like look in the sky, understand like how, how, um, how the, the, the abstract idea of like what it says, the, 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 the chart of the sky is at any given time and translating that not so much in terms of meaning, but translating that also into like, what, what can I see? How does that line up? Is it one the same? And, I'm, and I call that uh, objective astrology. So all of that was just the preface of where I'm going for this weekend. So, <laughs> so, so what has been really, really friggin' cool, and, and really the past year, had, what I just described to you, like turning like astrology, like more, or going more and more away from it as an abstract and, and more as a concrete understanding of, of this environment which we experience life in, um, uh, this past year has been, it's just been getting like stronger and stronger, more concrete, you know, I'm developing that muscle within myself. I talked to you a little bit about like, you know, developing muscles with, with the family, like, you know, this is me developing muscles with, with, with understanding what the sky is. And so, um, what has been, uh, really what, what, what is the, the, the point of focus of probably like nine months right now is seeing Jupiter and Saturn in the sky. Mm. Like, do you, do you look and can you identify like uh, where Jupiter and Saturn are? No, I mean, synchronistically, I was just talking about that last night. I was live on Fringe FM with Joe Roop and we were talking about Saturn and, and Jupiter and some of the things going on there. But I remember last time we were in Lancaster with you or, well, Millersville, we um, we were looking for. I think it was Saturn, right? We we looked with the uh, high powered camera there. Okay, oh, do, were we able to see it? I think so. I I don't know if we were a hundred percent sure that we were looking at Saturn, but that was the intention. And then yeah, we we, 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 de uh, we definitely were. We phones. definitely were. So 
so prior to, um, I don't know, like nine months ago, maybe a year ago, um, I held in my mind, like, you know, the, 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 the story I told myself in my mind was, um, like, you need to have a telescope to see Jupiter and you need to have a telescope to see Saturn. And maybe you could see Mars. And I imagine, like, Mars would be so faint. Mars would be so faint that, you know, it would be like one of those, like, really distant stars or something like that. Like, that's how I picture it in my mind. Like, uh, because a lot of this, that's what I mean, like, abstracts. We have an idea, like, oh, this is where Mars is. And we picture, like, oh, well, can I see it? Can I actually see it or what have you? And I had the assumption, I was holding the assumption that these things were, like, really far away. But that's not true at friggin' all. Uh, you can, <laughs> like, once you know where they are, it's like they, they are of the same magnitude of, like, just any other star once you begin to recognize it like that's when that's when this at least for me the um at least for me at least for me the uh movement from from looking at a chart and that being just an abstract idea you know me being like oh there's a symbol of saturn saturn is in in Aries, and you know, I have a, a, a concept in my mind of what that means. You know, that's an abstract versus going outside and you're like, oh, okay, right there, that's Saturn. You know, that that there's a difference. Something changes in your perception, in your consciousness. You're seeing it in a different way. It's no longer just like a. It's no longer just a, um, an idea. It's like now it's I can identify it. There's still a question like, what the hell is Saturn? Like, you know, I'm, I can't answer that question, but at least I can identify it not on a piece of paper, but with my own eyes. So for this past year, really beginning, actually it began in December of last year, moving towards the December of last year, so last fall, like as I knew that there was going to be this great conjunction, which is uh, when Saturn and Jupiter are in the exact same place in space, like I started following it. Like, like uh, someone needed to use one of the Starfinder apps on their phone, and I was able to know for certain. Like I used to look at things and I'd be like, intuitively, I think that's something, but I wanted something more concrete. So I was able to concretely be able to identify these things, and then so for couple months like of last fall you could begin to see saturn and and jupiter they were getting closer and closer and closer in the night sky until they were eventually what would be called conjunct they're in the same place and that's known as the great conjunction and then that happened uh right around the winter solstice of last year and then ever since then they've been moving further apart from one another and that's what i've been kind of observing and they don't move like fast but um, like over a period of time, you could see the gap between the two gets like wider and wider. So all that said, and then what's also cool is you begin to see like uh, like Jupiter and Saturn, when you're looking at them, they appear like from our perspective to be like, I don't know, like let's say right now, like an inch and a half apart from one another. You can see Jupiter, which is brighter than Saturn, and then like an inch and a half uh an inch and a half to the right is Saturn, and you could see them in that relationship an inch and a half apart. Like uh, you look at the sky, like let's say at like nine o'clock, and it's, uh, you can see where they are, and you come back and you look like maybe at midnight or something, you can see that shifted. You can see how the night sky moves across on um, a given evening. Uh, and that's been really cool, and I've been watching that, and just like, you know, just allowing myself to, to become aware. So all that being said, this is the longest friggin' preference in the world, preface in the world, but I kind of <laughs> like it. I hope you're enjoying the story. So I've been doing that for about a year, and it just like, you know, it just tickles me. Like Saturn and Jupiter are 
sometimes you could see Venus, sometimes you could see Mars, but right now it's Saturn and Jupiter are always visible in um, the night sky. Uh, and they're easy to identify. Um, and so I do, and you know this, like, you know, once a week, uh, Jenny and I will do the, the movement on the starboard and we just move uh, the, we have stones which mark the position of the planets. And uh, each week we update where those changes have been. Like, you know, you can find that in uh, now, like in a variety of just like websites will tell you that. And then we write in a book and then we go and we move the chart. We move the, the stones that represent the planet on the starboard. Mm -hmm. And what always dictates when we do that movement is when the moon hits a different point in its, in its cycle. New moon, first quarter, full moon, third quarter, and then new moon again. And so, which is basically about a week, you know, a week goes. So it's like you, you get, you, you begin by doing this. Like what I've noticed is I begin to, to get a sense of the speed and the rhythm of the planets and where they are. So, so the starboard has been done like primarily like driven by the moon. And then I've been watching the, uh, I've been watching Saturn um, and Jupiter. And then um, just in the past two weeks, the, um, the moon has been, um, in the same part of the heavens is like, I can see where, where, where Saturn and, and Jupiter are, you know, it does that every, you know, once a month, you know, that mm. the moon goes around. So now I'm watching, like, I'm watching the, not just like I can go in the starboard and see like, this is where Jupiter and Saturn are. And then this is where, um, uh, and look at the sky and be like, okay, it's in the same proportion on the starboard as I'm seeing in the heavens. And that's so freaking cool. And now the moon's in play. And now I'm like, oh, look, like, you know, on the starboard, I, it says that the moon is going to be like right by Jupiter. And I look up in the sky that night and I'm like, yeah, the moon really is right by Jupiter. And it's like, there's this connection, which is happening inside of me. Like on a certain level, you're like, well, what's the big freaking deal? It's always been there, but it's like, I've been bringing awareness to it. So all of that, that's the end of the preface. Okay. So this is what, this is what I wanted to tell you. I told you all of that to really illustrate this point of how, like, I've been like watching the stars, uh, watching the planets and like doing like the, this, the starboard sort of thing. And I'm becoming just more and more aware and connected of these movements. And I kind of know where the positions are. Like I know where in the sky, everything's like, you know, uh, when you came down in, um, when we looked through the, through the high powered, uh, camera, like there was still that, that question I had, like, I think that's Saturn. I think that's Jupiter, but I don't have those questions anymore because I've established that muscle. I'm very comfortable now with what I'm looking at, or at least of these two things. So all of that being said, like I know exactly where, and really over the past two weeks, where the moon has been relative to Saturn and, um, and Jupiter. And so now let me go and, and paint this picture for you. So you can imagine there's this like line segment, if you will, um, of Jupiter and Saturn. And all the planets go on more or less the same, uh, you can imagine it like a racetrack. They're on the same racetrack that goes around um, the sky. So you see all the planets go around the same line, and that's called the ecliptic. And the moon goes around the ecliptic too. The moon from where I am on earth relative to all this sort of stuff, like the moon is 
slightly below, slightly below where um, Jupiter and Saturn would be that line. And when I say slightly below, like from my perception, it looks like it's like maybe like a half inch below. Like if they were, if you were to trace these two lines um, of like what Saturn and, and Jupiter do when they move across the sky and what, and, and the, the tracing the line, which the moon does. So I've been watching this for two weeks, all right? I've been watching this for two weeks. I know where it is. I think I got all this stuff all figured out. I'm like, wow, I'm really, I'm really getting it on a different level. So all that being said, I walk out last night. I walk out last night, and I look at the moon. And remind, I just told you, I've been, I've been like paying attention to positions and like, you know, all this sort of stuff. And the moon, which is normally like, as I described, like half an inch um, below the line which Saturn and Jupiter, which is basically the same line, it's the same ecliptic, it's now about five inches above it. Like now I have to crane my neck, like totally looking up at the sky. And I'm like, what is causing that to happen? Is that normal? Is that, does it change that much in a given day, in a 24-hour cycle? How come I haven't seen that before? So that there is my, my, my full moon uh, story. Like, you know, I've got all sorts of like ideas of what might be causing it, but I'm suddenly realizing um, the understanding the movement of, of the heavens in a way which I didn't before. I've been studying the moon and the stars and the heavens for like years and years and years. And I've never, I've never had any awareness or consciousness on, you know, <laughs> what I'm just describing right now. So I thought that was kind of cool. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You're bringing to mind a lot of things that I've been thinking about. I, now that you pointed out, I mean, you know, I've been looking at the moon from the same position for the past two weeks and I've seen, you know, exactly what you just described. Last night, the moon was at least three, four inches, it seems, from my perspective. I just stuck my hand out, you know, two, three inches higher in the sky. And the clouds were moving a lot faster. That's what we noticed last night. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we took some pictures, too, that, you know, with this new camera came out kind of interesting. You know, they have so, so then you and... so you noticed the same thing which I which, which I was just only describing. after you pointed it out. Right, I'm right. starting to see like hmm, because I do remember it rising and coming across the sky, and the trees were sort of obstructing it. And then last night, I was out there two in the morning, right before I went to bed. You know, stayed up late to be on Fringe FM, and the the moon was not obscured by the tree like it was the night before. So that's where I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, maybe. Right. So, so what you're saying is you you need to have points of reference. That's one of the things which is so important when looking at the sky. Like I've been uh, uh, really kind of like, and I I'll show you these slides I've been making. Like it's for this presentation I'm working on, but like really trying to like deconstruct the the I, I used the, this word earlier in our conversation, like the mechanism, like what's actually like moving and happening. Because most of us, like yeah, we might look up at the sky, but we don't study it the way maybe it once was. Maybe astronomers, and I'd love to talk to someone who's really really familiar, but. But here's the thing and where I want to go with this. Like once you understand these points of reference, like you, something solid, like my Jupiter and Saturn was my point of reference. Your tree was your point of reference. Um, it could just be like the angle of your neck, if you can remember that. 
but um, so like the the whole sort of flat earth sort of movement, right? I think that you and I maybe we may share a similar perspective, which is um, uh, that may be an accurate description of Earth. Um, and it probably shouldn't come as a surprise because we've been lied to our entire lives. So there should be, you know, of course, like, you know, everything is at least potentially like a complete lie in terms of how we're supposed to picture what our experience is. So that's kind of like what, what I think about flat earth, but because it's such a, um, it's such a like heated place of like divisiveness. Like that to me is my indication. Like, I don't want to put too much of my, my energy into that because I think there's something else afoot going on, but I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Like if that in fact is an actual description of, of what our, you know, our experience is. So all that being said, like I question, I tend to go by the, um, the, the, the model or the mechanism of what we've been told of what, like, what space is or what the solar system is, like, you know, how, like, the moon goes around the, the earth and, like, the earth goes around the sun and all that sort of stuff. Like, I use that as my point of reference, but I'm also, like, this could all be completely, like, bullshit. Like, that is an inaccurate description. Like, we can, uh, that, that, that is not, a, that is not what is happening. And I don't know for certain, but I use, like, you know, the, the lowest common denominator just because it's a point of reference. So all of that being said, all of that being said, and then, like, even going to the to the furthest point, which is like, you know, like how accurate is something like the Truman Show? Is it not metaphorical? Like, is it literal? Like, like, is it literally like, you know, that is how false it is. Like when we look up at the sky, like, I don't know that's above my pay grade, but I'm certainly open to those ideas. So when I saw that moon and I'm like, from the way I understand from what I've been taught of, like what the moon does, like, yeah, maybe the moon changes a little bit, but how could the moon have changed so much on its supposed trajectory going around the earth? Like, how did it go from like being beneath of being half an inch beneath the line of Jupiter and Saturn to now being like four inches above it? Yeah. Well, and like, I don't have an answer to it, but I certainly am like, you know, this, this is not real or like it, the story, which we're being told of what the reality is, you know, this kind of goes into not exactly like the, like the whole crow seven, seven stuff. But like, I remember when I first saw that, I forget what it's called, like the, the wave that goes across the moon. Oh, and when you first was. see that and you're like, what is actually, what are we actually looking at? What, can, <clears throat> what can I trust? And so I had, um, I'm not going to a conclusion with this. I don't have a conclusion, but what I uh, the or the closest thing to a conclusion I can have is like, in a way, my 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 world, my my perception or model of my reality of what I think we're we're experiencing, living life on Earth with the heavens above us, like you know, a huge like monkey wrench was thrown into that last night. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny I. As you're describing this and you mentioned the racetrack, you know, in the sky, it brought to mind this image that I saw in a book called Athan, Athanasius Kircher, A Renaissance Man and the Quest for Lost Knowledge. And this is someone who I've, I think, confusedly brought up to you when you were telling me about Johann Kelp or someone like that. Uh, but this guy was a Jesuit sort of priest, astronomer, that type of uh, alchemist in the 17th century, I think. 
and he makes the remark that <laughs> the moon's irregularity makes it impossible to achieve the accuracy of solar measurements. And that's on the page that I flipped to when you brought that image to mind of this sort of dragon that all of the bodies of the planets rest on the body of this dragon. And the, you can see, or snake, you can see this dragon snake sort of tailing through the zodiac in a racetrack kind of way across the sky in this you know image from the 14th century and then there's another well, these are wood cuttings but either way so yeah you're bringing to mind this image and then i flip to the page and this guy kircher who spent a lot of time looking at the stars has the same idea of the moon like this thing's too irregular to even accurately predict the same way we can with the sun and 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 uh the, and then just like re reinf maybe like uh, what I just described, like you know that's always been the case, but here I am, even this guy who like you know he ta- he he plays with the the moon and the sun and the stars and the heavens in in like a, a thoughtful conscious way but but still i'm if this is like based upon what that guy just said with the the what the passage which you just you just read about like you know the um you know the moon is so confusing like maybe what i just described has been you know that's just the way it's always been and people have always noticed that but we are so disconnected you know uh we may understand you know you and i have talked about the moon before and we talked about the moon and calendars and stuff like that and i would say that in the 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 continuum or the 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 bell curve of the population for like how much people think are aware of the moon like you know we're probably in the top 10 percent just by doing that just by having these sort of conversations like most people don't pay any attention to it at all um and so um the this 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 idea of um even the in the land of the blind, the one eye the one eyed man is king. You know, it's like we're becoming more and more aware of of our environment, and and as we become aware of what we're seeing, you know, as we're moving away from a false reality. So the false reality would be uh, just how this concept, these concepts we've been holding in our our head of of um, the moon. And I'm not saying like it being at false, being accurate or not accurate. What I mean, false reality, meaning uh, we're just holding concepts. Like, you know, I'm looking at someone's astrological chart and I'm looking at it as just like a printout on a piece of paper, as opposed to like understanding it as an actual um, uh, thing up in the sky as, um, as, for me and maybe for you and, and other people, and I think maybe this is going on uh, a lot right now, as we move outside of these false realities, just thinking about stuff we're around all the time on the conceptual level, and then we're beginning to understand it differently by actually interacting with it on, uh, um, like in this example, like, you know, looking at it with my eyes as opposed to about like reading its positioning in like a, a website. Um, we become more aligned in consciousness to what things are as, uh, as they actually are baseline reality versus this kind of like false reality. 
And I think it happens quickly, like almost in the same way as you described, like sleeping out on the earth versus sleeping in like, you know, a box room. And so the reason why I'm kind of like spilling this, uh, spilling this in such detail or spelling it out in such detail is because you brought up that phrase, rewilding consciousness. And this is what I'm talking about. What I, this is what rewilding consciousness means. And rewilding consciousness is recognizing like, whoa, the way I understood like my surroundings, you know, in this example, like the moon, uh, the moon and its position in the sky and its, its phases, um, I am deconstructing what I thought I knew it was, you know, from what I, whether not paying attention to it at all, or like maybe just paying attention to it as a concept and then like becoming familiar with it as it actually is, and then just allowing that to grow. And that is the rewilding process in this particular instance. And like to, to, to do that purposefully, to say like, you know what, I recognize that I've been, bo- I've been born into a false reality. All realities are false realities. You know, all cultures that humans create are like, are, are like a couple degrees a lot or a little of degrees off of like the actual baseline reality um, to purposefully and particularly now as the false reality one is collapsing for the bringing in of another one, um, bringing consciousness, applying it outside of the false reality and allowing it to take root and grow where it's going to grow. That is the rewilding of consciousness, which, which I was making reference to. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, I think it's something that people are all aware of on an intuitive level. You know, we need to get back to our connection with mother earth, you know, and to put it in those terms of rewilding, I think is, it's brilliant. I think a a lot of people are, are, you know, they're just unconsciously seeking that, you know, and you hear everything about off the grid and self-sustainable community. And, you know, I was kind of urged right now, as you were describing that, to open this book that I had purchased recently, Investigating the Connecticut Mystery. And it talks about, on the first page, the rediscovery of the new world And the very core of this vision is the recognition that each person is responsible for his or her own destiny. You know, yada, yada, yada. My point being, you've studied this a lot, the whole colonial experiment and everything that went into that. But in a kind of new way, like we all have that opportunity to create our own reality here now with this land that's been, you know, all land it's just it's just all land you know i mean we we have so much uh i forget the word that we used previously when talking about this but matrix consciousness telling us what is and what isn't all these labels for what is and what isn't and at the end of the day <clears throat> the energy of rewilding is what we're all really looking for i mean that's that's kind of i don't know not saying much other than I agree with you, Mike, <laughs> but well, yeah. Well, well, I, I would say that's always been a truth. Like, you know, all, all times, all cultures um, are to a, to a certain degree a false reality. You know, uh, there's no such thing. There's no authentic one spoken language. 
you know, so any spoken language, that's a false reality. You know, me using the sounds that sound like apple to describe that thing that grows off certain trees that you can eat and you don't want to eat the seeds, you know, you know, that, that there's a degree of false reality there. I'm not saying like it doesn't hold purpose, like, because when I say apple, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, um, but there is in every time and culture, there is a, there is the opportunity for an individual to say like, Oh, wait a minute, all of this stuff, which I assume to be like true actually isn't true. It's just a subjective truth. And then when you begin to like step away from that, deconstruct that, however, that, you know, the infinite ways one can do that, you know, a whole new world opens up to them. Like, you know, you could even say that's part of like, you know, the, the mystics experience, or you could even say that's the hero's journey as you go through that within your own ego or what have you. Like that's always been the case, but what is happening right now on earth, I'm going to go, you know, I go out on a limb and I'll say from everything I know from my own lifetime experiences and everything which I know from like people who've been alive during my lifetime. So that'd be like parents and grandparents uh, and everything would, and the reason I say that as opposed to history, because, you know, history should always be questioned as well, but there hasn't been anything like this, like what's going on right now. Like, and so what we're describing this kind of like, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the breaking down of like a false reality and, and, and rewilding consciousness, like, which means like going out of a false reality, going to something more authentically true to then go and have a new reality. Like that has always been a nice thing, but now it is a, um, uh, it's a, a recipe or a technique, which is going to be a requirement. I think for navigating what is going to be unfolding before us. I want to kind of like switch gears a little bit right now um, because uh, I think this is, this is, this is at least where my mind goes because we're talking a lot about, we're talking a lot about the moon, right? And we're, we're recognizing, we're recognizing that um, everything that we think we know is at least questionable. Like, I'm not necessarily going to go and say everything that we know is wrong, but I'm saying that everything that we, that we know should at least be questioned. So you and I have been talking a lot about the moon, right? Right. Um, and so what do you know about, like, like the moon as a satellite of Saturn? Wow. Well, so my, my thought on the because I think you're getting at the origin of the moon. What I've heard... Well, no, 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 no. I'm getting at the different ideas of what the moon is. Okay. I got no idea what the origin of the moon is. Oh, okay. I'm talking about ideas. Right. So what do you know about that as an idea? Not much. All I've heard is that the moon was like a, a byproduct of a collision with an old planet that created the you know, asteroid belt and Mars and the moon. And then we have, cause there's ancient stories that the moon wasn't in the sky a long, a long time ago. So take that for what you will, but maybe that's not where you're going with it. Well, well what I'm trying to go at is so, so exactly like, so I know that there are a variety of, of cultures or no, this is what I know. I know that I have read that there have been a variety of cultures who, who, say who tell tales of time before the moon right like you know that 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 has been put out there as an idea 
I know that um, I know that uh, there are other cultures that don't have that, those stories. Um, I know that I've been told that if there was no moon, there'd be no tides, and if there no tides, there'd be no life on Earth, or at least the type of life that exists right now. Um, I know that the Earth. Uh, I've been told that. The, the moon was formed by something hitting the earth, like an asteroid hitting the earth and a big chunk of earth, like uh, shot off and, um, and eventually became the moon. I've been told that uh, the moon is um, incredibly different than every other moon in the solar system in terms of its size relative to the planet and, and you know, other different things. You know, we get all these anomalies of the moon. We always see the same side. Um, all of the weird things which we described before, like it changes in um, in the uh, uh, its position in the sky. I also know that um, I know that uh, I I want to say the first time I ever heard it was probably from like David Ike from that type of line where it talks about how the moon is actually a artificial satellite which is connected to the planet Saturn and. And Saturn and Moon, they both are on a fractal cycle of one another. The Saturn has a 29-year cycle or orbit. It's going to be in the same place in the heavens every 29 years. And then the Moon more or less has a 29-day cycle, which goes from new Moon to new Moon. So, like, there is a connection there. I'll say that, you know, the idea that the Moon is this false satellite, which has been used to, like, uh, control the thoughts of an imprisoned humanity uh, based upon like arconic uh, forces mm. that are using satellites rings or Saturn's <laughs> rings as a satellite. I know that that's a story. Right. Um, I also know that the moon has served as a source of inspiration and of of wonder and awe for almost every every uh, culture and almost every single person I've met. Also know that, you know, there's all of these like lunatic and like werewolf mythologies of like the dangers of the moon. So the point I'm trying to make right now is um, there's a whole bunch of stuff which is out there. Just about the moon in general, like a whole bunch of stories. And to be quite honest, to be quite honest, um, you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to really prove any one of those. Or at least I can't. I think that's a very fair point. I think, yeah, it's it's for the most part, I don't want to say subjective, but it's very intimate, I would say. You know, it's kind of... Well, I'll say this. There's a lot of blind spots. Okay. We can't see everything. It's like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this comes from a trusted source, or this comes from a and, trusted source. What's all the trusted and source? We're told... And I'm not saying that there's a problem with that. I'm just like, I'm recognizing it as it is. Right. Well, we're told you know, the that we what only it, see one side of it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that that would be one of the anomalies. I'm having a little bit of trouble here, Mark. Could you maybe be a little bit closer to the microphone? Yeah, sorry. I said, uh, did you hear everything I said just then? Yeah, about, like, how you only see one side. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 they're, they're, the, the moon is, is undoubtedly anomalous. And so the reason I'm bringing all this up is because you and I both, you and I both have um, have uh, uh, maybe like I don't want to say I'm not going to use the word worship, but we have put in a high degree of consciousness and awareness and intention between ourselves and the relationship, a, a relationship between ourselves and the moon. 
you know, just the very fact that we're aware of it, all this sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, like you could probably like you could make a, a you could make a um, an argument. I can make an argument. You can make an argument that like, hey man, maybe the moon isn't something you want to go and put your um, put your um, that much consciousness too. Like maybe maybe it is like this this uh, brainwashing thing being used uh, from um, from from Saturn. You know, we've been talking a lot about Saturn. These are blind spots. We don't know for certain. And so the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm bringing this up one is because it's like, you know, if you want to be intellectually honest with yourself, you got to, you know, sometimes like bring things, you, you got to play your own devil's advocate. But um, I mentioned, I mentioned about like, now is the time, now is the time to, with great purpose, like deconstruct um, our understanding of a lot of things we've always taken for granted. And going back to the most natural, um, the most natural or baseline reality. And I'm saying, like, I think this is the way I see it, at least, or the way I'm approaching. Like, this is a, um, you know, these air quotes when I say strategy, but for a strategy for moving through this particularly um, uh, unusual time as a human on Earth. But then... Um, you know, do we want to jump? Do we jump from the uh, from the fire into the or from the frying pan into the fire? Like you know, like okay, well, the moon is the one that's causing all of this, all of, all of these these you know control problems to begin with. Like you're just going straight to the source of it. So, so I think that 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 is a like an interesting and valid sort of idea that at least needs to be thought of, and. I want to tell you, tell you like the way I think about that, or at least how I approach that. Um, you know, we brought, we brought this up before, and it is you come back to the the a fundamental philosophical question. There's not an answer. There's not a correct answer to this question. There is a um, there is a personal, as you say, a personal answer to that this question, and is is the universe inherently a friendly or a dangerous place? <laughs> yeah and i choose that it's friendly because i can't tell you any i can't I, I i understand i can intellectually understand the differences between uh the different stories of what the moon is and is not but because i don't i can't you know i'm gonna have to vote i'm gonna have to choose which one i'm going to go with either like oh no the moon is dangerous the moon is dangerous and um that is not something I want to align myself more deeply with because, you know, it's a Saturnian uh, mind control satellite. Um, that could be one choice. Or the moon is something which is outside of the matrix and it's something which I want to align to. Uh, that's an individual question. And it's ultimately going to come down to, like, what you choose in terms of how, what do you trust and how do you see um, uh, the bigger picture of, of the higher level um orchestrating mechanisms behind this experience well i i will say you know the the feminine aspect to it all makes me think that there might be something inherent to us as humans that connects us to the moon for better or worse i think that might be the feminine perspective to judge maybe not in this lifetime for me but i think uh without that one aspect yeah i mean you're bringing to mind the alpha predator alpha nurturer 
And the third that I kind of thought of, and Tara helped me kind of, we both jumped this idea back and forth, Alpha Protector. I feel like that might be another aspect to explore, but I think that dynamic is true in our symbiotic environment. You see, you know, things have this relationship between life and death that don't always match what we would consider, you know, moral or, you know, what cultures consider the right thing to do. It's that matrix subjective level. And maybe that's not, you know, what is wild, what is natural, you know, bring it back to rewilding or at least my interpretation of it. But, you know, what are we to trust when it comes to stories about, the moon being a satellite or being, you know, part of Saturn. I mean, yeah, that's, that's deep. I just, I kind of go back to like cultural experience and maybe that's flawed. I don't know. Uh, Well, I, I agree with you completely. Like, you know, I don't think there's like, I don't think there is a correct answer to this question. I think what, what is valuable is asking the question and, uh, understanding, understanding why it is that we choose one or the other. If you're choosing to choose at all, which, which if you're going to be aware, you're going to have to have some degree of choice. Um, and that to me is at least, you know, why you're, you're choosing something or, you know, why you made your decision. Um, and I think that it is, in my opinion, like it is both like understanding like the, the cultural implications and then also like your personal experience. Like, you know, if you start like aligning yourself to the moon and then suddenly like demons start like showing up in your in your basement and then you can see a correlation with them, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to do the moon. Maybe, maybe all of that, like that Saturnian satanic sort of thing, maybe that is accurate. Mm. But um, to me, like that, is it a dangerous place or is it a fr- friendly place or a dangerous place of uh, the universe like that? Just like what you said, that that goes down to um, if we're going to duality, it is this like, you know, apex predator versus apex um, apex nurturer in terms of like, you know, what is what is what is what at least I don't want to say like what's running the show. What is the consciousness? What is the perception of how you're going to go through reality that you choose to subscribe to? And I would even say that when you said the apex protector, which I friggin' love, that would be the, 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 almost like the blending between the two. It's almost a blending between the two. Um, and I would say we, predominantly we predominantly in our modern culture are worshipers or followers of an apex predator mindset survival of the fittest scarcity you're fighting for all resources everything is a battle they're always you know where are you in the pecking order all of that you know that is one way of seeing things and you can make a very very valid argument that like you know there's a truth to that like you know you do see lions eat gazelles like that is true but then there's also like the, the the apex nurture, which is the opposite, which is like you know uh, this is a world of abundance. This is a world where where um, where um, you know everything is provided, and 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 you don't have to worry. It's Edenic, you know. It's like as in Eden, 
And so, you know, you could be like, oh, you know, it's this or it's that. Um, for me, and I'll just tell you what, what, what my opinion is, or at least what my opinion is as of now, uh, you, yes, that the death process is part of experience when life, you know, that's, that's what the new moon, going from full moon to new moon as the moon, the moon dies, that's, that's what it is, like there is death. But then it, it rebirths again. And so you're like, oh, you know, it's just like going back and forth. It's this yin and the yang. Um, but I'll say the very fact that we exist sh- is indicative of the fact that this is a primarily, if, you ha- if it's going to be 51, 49%, this is a nurturing environment. Because if that was the case, then the environment would not exist. Right. There'd be nothing. Right, and I love that that yin and yang duality is sort of the theme in this because this is a Pisces moon, and one thing that one thing that I uh, Pisces full moon. One thing that I noticed when I was looking at this another image in that same book is when you look at this sort of you know I'm sure you've seen this before, Mike. It's a full moon, new moon kind of chart, right? And they show you the circles. And all the circles are in a circle. And when you see the sort of black to white ratio and the way it curves, it looks like yin and yang. And I almost think like maybe that's what inspired whoever designed the yin and yang in the first place is this moon, new moon to full moon balance. But yeah, maybe that's a little off course from from what we were talking about. Uh, you know what? I I don't think I've ever thought about like I know, I know the chart you're talking about, and I, I work with that a lot because I think that the 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 lunar cycles are really really um, like easy way to understand cycles of of how life seemingly happens. You know, on the Earth experience. And, you know, I know the yin and the yang, but I never even thought about them. Like, you know, they're saying the same thing, but you're 100% right. And I'll go one step further. The, like, the, the white circle on the black side of the, you know, or the, the yin side, the dark side of um, the yin-yang, that's a full moon. And when you've got the dark circle in the, the light side, you know, that's the new moon. And then all of the different sizes that you see along that split, like, yeah, that shows you the different types, the, the movement throughout the uh, uh, going from one extreme to the other. Beautiful. It's a real interesting. I mean, uh, the, the best symbols, in my opinion, the most, the most potent symbols, and define potent however you want to, they have embedded in them an objective truth. Like, you know, I could go and do any sort of squiggle and, and, you know, do whatever I want. And then through intention and purpose, I can align my mind to go and say that this squiggle has this meaning. And when I see the squiggle, it means this. And I could eventually, like, you know, even create a a conditioned response to that symbol. But if the symbol is just totally, like, you know, random, like, yes, you can go and make those connections. And it becomes real that that symbol does equal that. It's real because you have a conditioned response. But if you have a, a symbol which has embedded in its actual design, and what now when I say symbol, I don't mean this from a conceptual level. I mean like a like an actual like drawing, a symbol, a sigil. Uh, when there is something authentically real within it, well, then it becomes even more, um, you know, more potent. And that's exactly what 
the yin yang would be if uh you know if that that is in case the the thing you know it being a a a um reverence to the lunar cycle if yeah. not even a teaching tool of the lunar cycle absolutely yeah and i you know i ordered two t-shirts in the mail one of them had a yin yang on it and the other one was susquehanna alchemy and they oh man one of them That's arrived amazing. near the new moon and the other one arrived on the full moon look at that but yeah did it was, you get your susquehanna alchemy shirt i got my susquehanna alchemy shirt um uh, which 20th. one did you get i got a green it was green with the like purple font it's just the disco one the disco one yes what do you think of it what Love do you think it. of the color Love it. Those colors, those two colors which you have, I have it in the light blue one. That's my favorite t-shirt. But in that green one, like, those are wild. That's a bold shirt, my friend. Thank you very much for the support. No problem. Tara chose it, and I got the medium so we both could wear it. And she's been wearing it. But, yeah, and the other shirt was... Does it fit like a belly shirt on you? No, 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 it's just long enough. It's nice. I didn't even think of that. I'm picturing, I'm picturing you like in this like too small a shirt. Oh yeah, no, I've been there for sure. Yeah, no, this other shirt that I got, I, I ordered it from uh spread shirt, I think for my show. Cause I'm trying to find like a nice design that I can do for, for my podcast, um, to get some merch out there. And I got a horizontal yin-yang I put on the front of it. Because, you know, they let you kind of do the basic design, little workshop, and make your own T-shirt. So it was just interesting that that meaning. And now as you're saying that, I'm like, well, a horizontal yin-yang kind of implies that you're looking at these two spheres on a horizon, you know, rather than huh. the up-down that you typically see a yin-yang. But... I don't know if that's true. That might just be what we see here in the West when we see yin-yangs. Maybe, uh, you know, in the East, the traditional yin-yang is supposed to be oriented on a horizontal plane. I think that's another subjective layer to it. But, yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's so many angles. I wanted to bring up some stuff I learned from this show, Mysterious Universe, and see where that connected. Because, wow, I've been diving into that show. I don't know if you've listened to them before, but it. No, I haven't. Let me, let me, uh, let me go. I want to comment one last thing on the yin yang, and then I want to hear what you've got to say. Cool. So, um, you were talking about like whether it be horizontal and, and you know, this is or versus vertical and, and implications. Um, and, and then this is where. This is where, like, you know, we begin to create false reality. But again, like, false reality is part of being human. Like, there's nothing wrong with false reality. So, like, when if you were to go and and say, like, wow, when it's on the horizon, this is what it represents or it represents to me. And it is based upon, like, a logic. Like, you understand why it represents that, uh, particularly with a symbol as potent as is, is, is the yin-yang um, then it, it like literally becomes a reality. Like this is how like this is how the how false realities are constructed. They're constructed because this is how all of our human realities are. Like you have something, it has meaning, and then it creates this feedback loop with inside your inner world, and then you go about the outer world looking for those sort of things, and it goes in this loop. So when you create your stories, you know, and when you do it like when you do it purposefully. And you understand what, what, what you're doing, like, you know, this is, 
this is the rebuilding of that new world. And this, and what just using this yin yang as an example, like, you know, uh, because it's, 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 it's easy to envision. Um, once you grasp that concept, like, you know, you can apply that to, to everything in terms of how you see and interpret it, but you just don't want to fool yourself. You got to walk that middle line between like creating the reality um, subscribing to a belief that you choose to have, but then also recognizing, like, you know, this is just a story I'm telling myself, but I'm choosing to accept it. Right. Yeah. So what? So what was the? Well, we've got a couple more minutes left. What was? What was the? Um, the thing you wanted to share that uh, from that other podcast? Well, maybe we can kind of leave this for the next episode. I could just bring it up, and maybe you could think about it, and we'll talk somewhat about it on the next episode. But all right, so I'm going to write down my notes. Uh, so tell me what it is so that I remember the next time we talk that I can bring it back up. What, what was it that you want to bring up? What was the show? So this is Mysterious Universe, and they were talking about uh, a book that describes a journey that a actress and a filmmaker went on to make a movie about a book that I really, it's changed my life profoundly, the uh, Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan Yaqui Way. You know, I read that when I was really young. So instantly I was interested in the podcast. So I think maybe if you listen to it, you'll understand a little bit better. Than All right, me. how about this? This is this will be my homework. This will be my homework. And, and here, let me just leave. Else. Yes, and let me leave you and everyone listening with this. It's the idea that synchronicities can be manipulated or in some way like, moved by and that same you know and i'm wondering maybe this is has to do with us creating our you know artificial reality like you're saying or if there are some kind of maybe the moon or some kind of entities that manipulate synchronicity to lead people astray or you know on a different path than they would have gone on for worse or for better possibly i think that's what most people assume about synchronicities is that they're for the better so, so, uh, I'm really excited. I'm excited to have that conversation. If you could go, what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to listen to that episode. You're going to send it to me and maybe you can include a link to that, like in the, in the notes here. So other people who are listening at home can listen to it again or listen to what we're talking about. And then when we meet next week, Beautiful. let's discuss it. Beautiful. All right, Mike. Well, this has been... And, and there's one more thing I, this is what I want to discuss next week also is uh, my, my instinct right now. And, and you know, we're, we're going to see if I'm going to say the same thing after I've listened to this episode that you're, you're, you're suggesting. But um, I want to also talk about um, the, uh, you know, that guy who is, are you familiar with this person who is making videos supposedly from 2027 of Valencia, Spain, but there are no people in it. From 2027? No, I haven't heard about this. This is the wildest thing in the world. So I'm going to send this to you, and I want you to watch that because my sense is that these two these two different ideas and storylines are going to complement, or, or, or they're going to be a good contrasting point. Wow. So I'll give you a video to look at that, and then we'll include that link also in these in the show's notes. Beautiful. All right. right. Thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse with Uncle Mike and Mystic Mark. Subscribe at Susquehanna Alchemy on YouTube and support 
the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. While you're at it, thank you for listening. Mike, you got anything to add? No, I think you did a great job.